It's episode 149 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm so excited to have this guest on. I've been following her for a while. I'm sure you've seen some stills from her most recent film on social media, Las Virgenes. I've been working on that, like trying to pronounce it. I promise you, like all day, I was like, I need to get this right. Uh, her this name great is. Pronunciation. Thank you. I appreciate that. She's the founder of Pomegranate Vision, a, a film collective here in the Coastal Bend. She's out in Bishop, Texas. I'm talking about Carmona Rivera, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Brittany. <laughs> yes, I mean, you are, when I saw all the work that went to, into the production of your most recent short film, I was just blown away. And you had so many amazing people also working on it. And we're going to get into that because, I mean, you've been working on it for some time. But yes. <laughs> you've actually independently produced, written, directed, and edited three short films. Yes. And that is correct. <laughs> I mean, how I feel like how does one fall into filmmaking? Like how how did what's your origin story there? Um, so I fell into filmmaking after uh, I was attending some classes at AM Kingsville and my original course of study was going to be marine biology and I had like an epiphany that I didn't want to go into the science of marine biology. I really just enjoyed watching National Geographic documentaries and the idea of like being there in the water, maybe filming it and or editing it. Um, so I, you know, redirected my path and that's what led me to ANMCC. And at the time they were just about maybe uh i would say two years into their film uh production track wow yeah it was pretty new uh we were i like to call us the guinea pigs um some of the og pomegranates are actually from like the starting track of film that took place um at anmcc to you know name a few jennifer bracy um Mayra Zamora but Mayra was in a different course uh at AMCC mm -hmm. and then we have Ryan Ewart who is uh and has been uh assistant director on two out of the three of my projects so yeah I mean that's kind of like where I got started and you know you it's trial and error and I really think like it's it, it was a big leap um, from telling my parents I wanted to be like a scientist to now a filmmaker. Yes, <laughs> big. It was, it was a hard sell to my grandma specifically because I'm raised by my grandparents. Um, and so telling my grandma, you know, she was like, you want to do what? My grandfather, on the other hand, though, like, he was like, okay. He was like, easily, he just transferred right oh, over. Oh, that's like, okay. awesome. He started reading, like, articles, like, in newspapers, like, all of a sudden about, like, film programs that were going on. Because, again, too, that was kind of, like, when there was really that rush happening of, like, you know, film events going on. You know, uh, I know CC Seven Day had already been going on for, mm -hmm. shoot, a few years when I was at AMCC Because I was there from, like, 2012 to 16. Mm -hmm. And that's when I graduated. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was something telling your, you know, your old, like, you know, Mexican American grandparents, like, Hey, I want to be an artist. And they're like, how are you going to make money? And I was like, look, 
I'm, I didn't think that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel I feel I felt the drive to really tell stories because um, I've always considered myself to be kind of like a creative person, um, and I've always really loved the idea of storytelling. Like I was in a lot of creative writing classes, you know, back in high school and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, as a young kid, I like to lie a lot. So like, you know, really just, like make things up, you know, that's and, all lying um, is. It's just really <laughs> fanciful storytelling. Yeah, that's real. That's exactly what it is. And so, um, I felt compelled to tell stories about like, you know, people from the region that I'm from, like stories about, you know, stuff that were in our very artistic interpretations of like my in, in like environment, you know, um, and my upbringing. I think that yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> well, and also it, it's interesting to me that your grandmother was kind of like, you're going to do what to your grandpa being like, all right, like I, I see you. I, you can do that. That's awesome. Yeah. My, uh, my family would, uh, it, my, you know, my grandma's the matriarch, like she, her say was always, I gotcha, the final gavel and my grandfather who like, I, I called daddy growing up. Cause again, like I was raised by my grandparents. Um, but like, you know, I was kind of a daddy's girl growing up. Like he, he would give in to anything I said. I could do no wrong in his <laughs> eyes. You know what I'm he was like, you're going to be the next Steven Spielberg of filmmaking. And yes. I was, like, I was like, yeah, it was it was that sort of like, you know, my grandma believed in me. She knew, like, if I said I was going to do it, I was going to go through it. But she was just like, you know, it's the hard sell about like, there's no security. Exactly. The, the goal that <laughs> I've set for myself almost. Um but yeah, like my my uh, daddy, while he was uh, alive, he, you know, he was my one of my biggest supporters he's actually who my second short film is entirely about which is, that short film is uh titled el poeta yes um it went to the oaxaca it, film fest it did go to the oaxaca film fest yeah i mean like that was my main goal with uh el poeta you know with each of my projects you know it was like again because I have no real connection to like the industry. Obviously, Corpus is again emerging, buddy, and I still don't even think the flower has sprouted fully yet. You're right. I would um, agree. You know, it's like you know the stock is there, maybe. El and I'm so glad you brought this up organically because whenever I was going on the pomegranate uh, Instagram, I'm like, this is cool as hell. We have to talk about El Poeta. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, Oaxaca was like a great experience. We our goal for that one, you know, was, can we get into a film festival? And mind you, I mean, we, we try to get into a lot of them. I mean, I have just a, you know, scroll like list of, uh, the festivals that we applied to, but, you know, ultimately were, you know, turned down from, but getting into Oaxaca, like was very cool. And, Hell yeah. you know, the whole experience of going to Oaxaca, like for a week, um just meeting filmmakers literally from all over the world like that had been you know corralled there by the Oaxaca yes. um, event organizers like it was pretty cool and I mean still to this day I keep in touch with all of the filmmakers that I met there because when I got there my um 
my best friend and my uh, key hair makeup artist slash SFX uh, artist, Danielle Garza, was like, dude, when we go, you need, she's like, you're not going to remember these people's names, dude. She's yep. like, follow them on social media. Yep. Like, that's going to be the best way to keep in contact and then, like, you know, check back. She was like, because you're going to be super overwhelmed. She was like, let's just be honest. We're in a, you yes. know, basically text. Texas is Mexico. I say that all the time. But like, Absolutely. when you're really in Mexico, yes. it's a, you know, it's still different. And <laughs> I haven't like, been there yet. I hope to go one day. Oh, it, I mean, I used to, I grew up going to Mexico literally like every weekend with my grandparents. Like that was the gig. And when I got older, you know, it kind of trickled off. But when I went back and I went to Oaxaca, like I felt I hate to sound like, you know, the transplant, you know, tourist where it's like, oh, my God, I felt revitalized. But like, no, really, because like I am also like indigenous to, you know, this yep. region all the way down. And like it just really was. in like inspiring to just be out there and like be nobody out there, you know, because they run this. I am just being like allowed access into here Absolutely. and I am grateful for it and I love it. And like, I mean, Oaxaca had its ups and downs, like on the back end, you know what I mean? Mm. But I would say it was perfectly balanced in my overall experience. Like I would not trade any of it for what I have grown to learn and know from that experience, you know? Yes, I mean, you literally went there to screen your film. I mean, that was like the world premiere of your film and you did yeah. it in homage <laughs> to your grandfather. Like how Im yeah. important is that? And to me, also being selected for Oaxaca Film Fest, that's a big deal. I yeah, mean, thank you. Yes. Yeah, and it was its 10th year, like, it, you know, in procession. And I was like, it's pretty cool. Like, it all just felt like, cosmically aligned you know without divine a doubt. timing sort of situation like it was I, I highly recommend it Oaxaca is beautiful like and we went like as uh, a crew of us and you know it was I mean it, it was just like magical like I mean just again like not to sound cliche or anything like that but it was the experience that I definitely like romanticized in my head of as, course like, uh, emerging filmmaker you know what I mean <laughs> that is good. And so why, I know you said that your grandfather was a, a major supporter. And of course, you know, you were a daddy's girl. And so why was it so important for you to make a film that was inspired by him? Um, I would say one, because my daddy was like, weird, like one of a kind. Like, yes. I mean, I know everybody probably says that about their dad. But like, I mean, my daddy read like, he he grew up uh, like he was born in the 1930s. So, you know, he's from a very back generation of like Mexican-Americans in this region and stuff like that. He's also indigenous, you know, to this area. And like he was unable to continue his education after the third grade. But like he was a, as a young child was so enamored with reading and like just like filling his little child brain with knowledge that like he would read whatever he had to stop, you know, going to school. Cause he had to like, he was the eldest yes. son. And so he had to like help his family and raise like all of his younger siblings and, you know, keep, you know, everybody secure as a family, you know, school's not important when people are trying, your family's trying to survive, you know? Uh, yes. And 
Um, you know, but through all of that, he just, he continued reading. I mean, he knew how to read in Latin. He knew how to read in English. He knew how to read in Spanish. Like, I mean, wow. It just like, you know, he was like, fill up the brain. That's all that, that's all he wanted to do was consume. And he was like, he would always tell me like that he was so fascinated by the way like writers could, um, you know, put this like imagery into your head and like make you think and see things that like you've never seen before, you know, but cause you're imagining it. And the same thing with poetry, like he was very into poetry as well. Um, like, uh, and that's what led me to write the story. I was actually lucky enough to tell him that I was going to make this film yes. before he wow. passed away. Wow. Like he, he read one of the very first drafts and like what originally was supposed to happen was the poetry we were going to be using was from excerpts from like Octavio Paz's, uh, poetry. But after he passed away, it just seemed more like correct to write it myself based off of like phrasing that like he said. Yes. So yeah. So one of the poems that is recited in El Poeta, I wrote myself like in homage to my daddy. And it's like, it's, um, it's portrayed by the character that's actually supposed to be my daddy as well. Um, and like the story basically is also um, artistically interpreted off of true events that happened to my grandfather back in Kingsville, Texas. Wow. Um, yeah, so there was a local man in Kingsville who would go to bars, and when he would get drunk, he would start randomly spouting poetry and, like, excerpts from prose and literature and, like, you know, philosophies and stuff like that and one time my daddy had come across him in the bar because I mean that this was again back in the day so this was when the the smaller you know locally owned bars were thriving in the area um so it was it was not like you just caught him it was like you know it was a chance encounter and um on the night that he happened to meet him my grandfather knew the like poem that was being recited by the man. And so like they started up a conversation and like, you know, they started talking about, you know, the different kind of stuff they had read and like, you know, the lives that they had led as like for, you know, Mexican men and how like, had they been able to like go to school, like who knows what they would have become. And like, that was one of the things my daddy would always say, like when he was around, like, you know, like I always think like what would have happened, like, had I been able to been afforded the opportunity and the luxury yes. and the privilege of yes. education, right. As yes. an indigenous Mexican American man. Um, and that was what I centered El Puerto on. Like it's lit- it literally tells the story of two men who like meet after this character Reyes gets beat up for like, reciting poetry to a girl that another guy is interested in, but because he's like machista and like, mad that he doesn't have the education and you know literature literary knowledge that this character Reyes has he beats him up and then downtrodden Reyes stumbles into another bar and that's where he meets the character Zaragoza known as the barrio poet and um, 
that's why like uh again like i i created the story was you know in honor of that and i remember when i when he, i i had the my uh daddy read it he he was like this isn't how it happened i was like, that's, <laughs> I was like obviously it's not what happened that loosely like, based on true events it's loosely it's artistically <laughs> interpreted like and he was like oh okay 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 he was like okay because i was gonna say that's not what happened <laughs> like, let me set the yeah. record straight yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I tell people too that, like you know, this is, and and it was not exactly the true situation that happened. It's it is my interpretation of events. Absolutely, um, yes. Like like you said, <laughs> like a like your romanticized vision of whatever you know the story you're telling with with some artistic yeah. license. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm your granddaughter. I, I, I'm slash daughter. I should be able to do whatever I want. Like, make yeah. stories. Duh. <laughs> uh, I always tell people who have relationships with their grandparents that that to me is one of the most priceless relationships you can have because you really are getting to see where you came from. And um, I never had relationships with my grandparents at all. And the fact that you could, you know, have these conversations with, your grandfather and uh ultimately make a short film inspired by him is absolutely beautiful that is so so cool i mean so did, did your what did your grandmother think of this whole process uh, i mean you know after he passed away um obviously the grieving was immense um and I just remember, like, he actually passed away in the middle of me filming my first short film. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and I, I remember it happened, and, like, I didn't tell anybody because we had already invested so much time. And, I mean, some people would, you know, call me callous, maybe call me cold because I continued to work. But to me, one it helped kind of divert the pain for a moment. You know what I mean? Cause I'm creating something beautiful with so many people. My first project, I had a crew of 40 people under my belt, like total. Wow. Yeah. And then the second one was 50. And this last one when I was, I think also like in total, like virtually and extended was probably also around 50. Um, but when I was, making you know the first one and he passed away we continued on we pushed through nobody knew except our other executive producer and at the time my assistant director and you know they kind of like took over the reins for me when I had to like step away for you know some family matters and then I came back and we finished because I Two weeks after he passed away was when we were filming and it had already been scheduled for like two months. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the location that we had was like now or never type situation. So again, you know, I, I went through and we finished it and my first project I was so proud of, you know, and after my grandma saw that, she was like, wow, like you're really doing something. Yes, I um, love it. And, like, our first, like, you know, private cast and crew premiere, I mean, we had the whole room was, all the seats were taken, people were, and it was just standing around 
for everybody that, you know, showed up. Because, again, it was, like, all the crew and then some of them brought extra people. And, of course, nobody RSVPs. So it's like, nope. <laughs> you get my mind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, like, her seeing all of that. And then when I told her that my second project I was going to make was going to be the one that, you know, I had told her and uh, my grandfather about, she was like, okay, well, like, good luck. Like, you know what I mean? Because she... My grandma is, uh, she, I would describe her love as tough love. You know what I mean? She's very, like, stoic. Like, she doesn't express emotion the same way, like, my daddy would. Like, mm-hmm. my daddy would be like, oh, my God, you did love it. Like, you know what I mean? And my grandma would be like, wow, that's really great. And I'm like, ugh. Like, yes. I need Give I need me more. more. You know I, mean? I do. <laughs> but I guess that, that makes sense considering, like you said, she's the matriarch. She kind of holds it down. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I get that. I, um, yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think it's interesting that they were so, not opposite, but yeah, no, they Mary, were different. You, you, are, you, are, uh, you are accurate to say, it. yeah, different in so many ways but like a perfect pair and exactly like, again like with everything in my life i would say the perfect balance you know um and so when el poeta was getting started you know i was able to collaborate with you know some like really great people and like again locate local locations that's been my thing the whole way through all my projects i'm filming in areas literally along the coastal bend like yes. and like a, a little bit in going south so mm-hmm. i filmed in kingsville i've filmed in ribera i have filmed in bishop i have filmed in cal allen i have filmed in corpus and like all of those cities like i always try to like find you know local businesses um also too you know because that's kind of where the authenticness for like the set design and stuff it's easier to transfer um and with my projects you know i was doing a majority of everything in the beginning like everything everything like the credits roll and it's just my name (laughs) you know (laughs) but i mean that shows how much you love it though you know what i mean some people would look at that amount of work and be like i i can't do that i'm not gonna do that and you and you said i'm gonna do it this is really important to me this is what i'm passionate about i'm gonna make it happen even if i'm wearing 25 different hats exactly exactly and like i felt like those moments were when i knew that i was like oh no i'm built for this Like, this is where I thrive because each time, and I say that because each time I have gotten better, like, at what I am, you know, locking down for business, like, connections and networking for, like, you know, in-kind sponsorship and in-kind donors and, like, collaborators, contributing artists, like, all of those things. I mean, Las Vegas is the biggest production to date. And I am happy that it is that way because I don't think it could have happened at any other time and been this, again, cosmically aligned and perfect in, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it is a lot of work. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm so proud of everybody that like participated. Like, I can't wait to show everyone what we're doing. It's just like, 
we've had a little bit of financial hiccups as an independently run, you know, thing. Like, you know, girl, even big studio productions have financial hiccups like all the time. If you watch behind the scenes documentaries, the funding is always falling through. It's insane. All over. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So I mean, like, I'm really glad that everybody, you know, that has participated is actually really patient, like an understanding because like, as I'm sure you, you know, have, you know, assumed I'm one of the main people financing these things. Like in the beginning, my first two projects were like, I was receiving in-kind donations. I was like buying $5 pizzas, like for like crew meals, you know, like all of the kind of discount. I mean, I'm still very frugal in all of my practice now uh, because I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, But like, from then to now, if Taylor from 2017 knew what Taylor in 2021 is doing, she would be blown away. Like, uh, she'd be like, there's no, there's no fucking way. Excuse my language. No, like, you do not censor yourself. <laughs> but this makes she me so like, happy because you, I love hearing you say <laughs> I have gotten better. I love hearing you say that. And that younger you new newbie you would see current you and be blown away that is badass yeah she would be like who in the hell are what you because like you know for example this project now i can confirm i'm giving you like top this is like top secret news but like we at this point have like now established networking all over the united states like wow. for Las Vegas, we have yes. somebody in the California region that is a very huge supporter and proponent of LV. We have uh, an audio composer working out of like the northeast tip of the U.S., like in the the twelve states. Yeah, the, uh, the ones that like to call themselves the OGs, the colonies. Yeah, the colony. <laughs> yes. Um, we all know the truth. Colonies. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> the truth. Uh, so, like, he's out there, and then we've also, you know, had uh, two of our lead uh, actresses and actor uh, were out of the Carolina region, and then Colorado as well. So, I mean, like, LV is a big... That's why I'm saying... (laughs) Young and just out of college, making a short musical film, Taylor, director, would have been like, bitch, you're doing what? Like, who? Why do they care? And I would have been like, let me tell you why. (laughs) That is... I mean, that... And so that's in, like, a four-year time span, right? Or, yeah. Wait, you graduated in 2016? Yeah, 2016 and then 2017 was when, because I graduated December 2016. Okay. So December, uh, like, 2016, I started filming one for my baby March 2017, finished in November 2017, editing was locked in March of 2018. Wow. This Yeah, so 2018 me, like, dead. She'd have been like, bitch, I am collapsed. What? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, and can you see whenever you go back and look at your films, can you see progress in terms of shooting, editing, everything? 
Without a doubt. I mean, L, I look at LB, me and uh, Jennifer Bracey against, she's been on all three of my projects. Shout out Jennifer, OG Pomegranate, to the day we die, gang gang. That's like all the way. And like, we were looking at the Lazianas footage and she's like, Taylor, oh my God. Like, can you believe your first project was a short musical filmed like Guerra style out in fucking Kingsville late at night? <laughs> And I was like, I mean, yes, but no, not looking at this. Like, I'd be like, no, this girl went to film school. Like, she knows what she's doing. But still emerging, though. Mm -hmm. Still very much figuring it out. I do not want to in any way say, like, I am, like, the know-all, be-all of filmmaking. And, no, I am literally learning every single time. And that's, like, my biggest takeaway each project is, like, you learn from them and you make yourself better the next time. And then you're going to end up learning it again because you're still not going to be good enough. Yeah. And it's just like a process until you, you know, kick the bucket, as they say. Yes. But honestly, I like that, too, because there's just always going to be room for growth. You're always going to be getting better and better and better. I mean, and you loving the process of it. It sounds like <laughs> you do have yeah. it figured out in terms of knowing <laughs> how you want to live your life, because this is cool as hell. And so how does the process work? Do you kind of stew on an idea for a while or is it like a, like an epiphany like this, or, you know, do you see something that inspires you and suddenly the story writes itself? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Like, uh, okay. So my first three projects were epiphanies that I had out of like the final semester at AMCC. I had a, professor that was like really amazing at like fostering and like bringing out my communication skills for my creativity and he was just like what projects do you have in mind right now write them down see which ones are feasible to do and make like a summary sheet basically key characters log line summary uh brief like setting what you're anticipating budget might be etc right and so I did that for three projects and two of the three uh no I'm lying three for three are the ones that I've made really <laughs> yeah it was uh, I was actually wanting to make El Poeta first but El Poeta was actually too hard to make first mm -hmm. and I'm glad it was my second project um but I went ahead and I was like, oh, you know what's easier than like a normal narrative? A musical. <laughs> no, that's what I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't get Young Taylor would be like, oh, so I made the right call. Okay, great. Like, but I also it. I love that you just made a decision and went with it, you know, like despite what others might think or say. Yeah, I know. Uh, pitching a musical to the people that I was working with was surprisingly easy. Like, especially when I told them, I was like, look, hear me out. Edit James musical. They were like, you bet. You I do did. sound very, <laughs> you are very passionate and very convincing. And I would also say, yes, I'm in. I get it. It's not that <laughs> weird. You. It's not that weird, Carmona. No, thank you. Um, and like, you know, those projects were, you know, uh, so amazing. But again, like, it's really just grown to this like extreme being, you know what I mean? Like, and again, like LV is just, I, I recently made a reel for myself actually that I'm likely going to post like 
either to my personal Instagram, maybe as like a cute thing to pomegranate. But like you can definitely see the growth because I start with my first film, go into the second and then, you know, end with the LV teaser. And I'm like, oh, my God, who is she? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like, who is that one? Um, And again, too, but it's a culmination of everybody's hard work. But, you know, again, I like to consider myself like the orchestrator. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the one like with the little I don't know what they're referred to as the little sticks that the men and the the women. Yes. (laughs) What are they called? Somebody 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 message me and let me know what these are called. Uh, Yeah. Well, let us know. So that's the other thing. Right. So so you're writing it, which is. I mean, I'm all the respect for writers, but then you're also directing. And I feel like a very specific individual makes a good director. And so essentially you're literally bringing your own vision to life. And do you find that it just comes naturally to you to be like, no, I saw it like this. So this is how you're going to portray this character or scene or whatever. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. Because uh, truthfully, I am, these projects that I've made are very personal to me. So like, it just obviously made the most sense that it would be me directing it. It would, it Agreed. absolutely would not make any sense for somebody to be directing a film about my late grandfather. You know what I mean? And yep. be able to tell that story correctly. Like, I don't care how much you think you understand about indigenous Mexican men and their struggle. You're not going to understand the struggle of this one. Yep. Like, Ooh, yes. And that's right. You know? And so, uh, you know, again, too, like, LV is also very personal to me. I mean, it's literally the people that know the project, like, in detail know that the four lead characters, you know, Lupe, Luna, and the twins are me broken up into four different people. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, like, their experiences are kind of, like, again, artistic interpretations of, like, what my upbringing was like and so again it it does not make sense that anybody else but me would tell that story and you know the people that I work with you know specifically like Jen and Ryan like when I told them like I'm writing it I'm directing it they were like perfect let me know where you need me and like we're making the next moves talk Um, about a great team yeah I mean oh like <laughs> I mean, I'm just across right now it's just like wow like they, I have just like <sighs> the other thing too is like you know we being an independent film collective I mean we don't make money off of this you know what I mean it's truly the drive and like I've had Jennifer and Ryan both tell me like the reason they stick by me and they see the work through with me is because they know that like I'm gonna put in a hundred percent plus whatever help they need when they can't cover it. You know what I mean? Like we are 18. So, you know, if Jen can't, you know, secure a in-kind sponsorship or donor contract, I take over and finish. You know what I mean? Like those sorts of things. Like we all, I like to tell her like, hey girl, tag me in. Like (laughs) it's my turn. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, I mean like it, it just, that, Writing and directing is where I feel like I am going to continue for now. I don't see having any of my stories being directed by anybody else, um, specifically because especially the type of stories I write, they're very intimate Mm -hmm. to, you know, my communities, Um, you know, to go in a little bit about LV, breaking down 
Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, breaking down like the story, the four lead characters, like I said, they're like, it's me broken into four parts. Luna, our lead, is raised by her grandparents. Um, it, again, artistically interpreted, it's not it's loosely, not exactly. But, you know, she's raised by her grandparents after her mother, unfortunately, loses the battle to mental illness and um, takes her life. And Lupe is raised by her mother, but her mother's like an alcoholic because she is battling with her own mental disorders. And then we have the twins and their mother and their mother is very, uh, what's the word? scandalous you know she's very uh promiscuous she's very open with her sexuality men come and go out of her home and so these girls are all being raised by different archetypes of women right and they are mexican american indigenous uh characters raised with that blend of like brujeria and catholicism right they go hand in hand yes. right where we're where you know this region is um and in there this story is talking about what happens when you muddle the two too much because you don't really understand either practice you know what i mean wow this and sounds so- really cool <laughs> Yeah, and like these girls again, they're they're traumatized from their own sort of like mother wounds, um, and they've all made a pact after you know what they think was a meeting with the Virgin Mary um, that they're gonna re- retain their virginity and like never let a man like take something that is theirs, but one of them does. One of them is not able to see the pact through. And that's like where our whole story takes place. Like we're finding out like right around the time where everything is kind of collapsing in on our lead character, Luna, Um, the guilt of her decision, um, the weight of that plus knowing, you know, her mother took her life because of a broken heart situation. Oh, wow. And then, uh, you know, the fact that she's been, lying and has now betrayed her sisters so she does what she thinks she must do and she sacrifices makes a sacrifice to like an ancient being i.e santa muerte Mm -hmm. and that's like kind of what our story like oh my (laughs) gosh okay so yeah so i've been i mean not just me there's many of us that like want to see this film and so will we get an opportunity to see it? So I, what I'm likely going to do, obviously, cause like COVID situation still happening. I mean, we're mm-hmm. still right now in post-production. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just like wrapped our crowdfunding campaign and we were able to raise uh, through the Indiegogo, like a portion of it. And then through some private donations, we raised about a third. Okay, great. So yeah, we're still like, close but you know like we're, we're trying we're still trying like trying some things um because the last leg of like post-production that is really our main focus is color correction um that's kind of the the main thing that is right now 
keeping us at a simmer mm-hmm. because we still need the funds to find uh, and secure a color grader or colorist for the project. Um, and then after that, what is likely going to happen is there will be a, a digital screening that we host for uh, our cast and crew first because they have to get the premiere status. Yep. Uh, well, private premiere status. Of course. Another thing too, like we can't really promote it too much to the public because if we put it in film festivals some of them have specific rules yes that's right yeah so that's right kind of have to like have it be like more private situations so after our private cast and crew screening what we are considering at the moment is having like a private digital screening where you know maybe we charge like a five dollar entry fee or something just to kind of help us maybe with some fun yes. something like that yes and um you know have it premiere that way also too just because of covid and stuff like that we it's a lot to have to go through and one of the most easily accessible to a lot of people is just doing it digitally now yep so the answer is yes it is on the back burner is definitely something that is like uh, next in line to happen once picture is completely locked and we have you know the edit secured we have sound now is like already being done and designed to the edit so I mean it I just got back a, a, a edit from our sound department because that's another thing too I edit it but I don't do sound and I don't do color like, no, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, like, you literally do like everything else. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I uh, know. And I know I know where to step down. You know what I mean? I know where to delegate out. Mm-hmm. And we have on sound uh, Gavin Solis and Ariana Gill, who were actually the production sound uh, designer and then the utility sound technician on our crew. So it kind of just like perfectly again, like fit into them you know being handed over the baton to the next stage for sure and after my edit there's you know a scene that we shoot at fresco and in the edit it's so quiet because like you 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 don't have anything on when you're filming like you turn everything off and it's dead silent you can just hear like the girls talking there's even kind of like a mild echo so when you're watching it again me specifically there's the disconnect but in my mind i already imagine it with the kitchen sounds with the sounds of some like oh music yes 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 of course that of course. sort of stuff the yep. sound design and the score that's taking place in yes. the scene um but i got it back from gavin and ariana the other day and i was like oh my god it's already so much life is already just like injected yes. into the like footage it's so good this is exciting <laughs> oh and also you made a post that to you that's one of the funniest scenes you've ever written right oh my god it is literally funniest scenes ever written and funniest scene i have yet to cast like when that was actually the scene that we got the twins like to do for their audition mm-hmm. and it's because i wrote that scene knowing if whoever whatever set of twins or sisters or siblings that i cast if they are not able to do this scene they're not they're not the twins yes and they did it on their first try <laughs> and i was like that's it 
we're you're you're booked. You're cast. Consider yourself uh, Andy and Esme. Um, you know, we'll fly you in from Colorado into Texas. Like, don't worry wow. about. Wow. Yeah, like we'll we'll make it happen. So, and I mean, we did. It, it was a battle. It was like a logistical nightmare sometimes. For sure. Um, but you know, I knew that they were the perfect like talent to portray these characters and they were they just embodied the kind of like laze like oh we're just using these men like it's really <laughs> not that serious like and they obviously too had their own moments of improvisation that was just so funny they had a line that literally made everybody die uh, while we were filming, one of the twins was like, eat your salad, like, to somebody <laughs> who was, like, in the thing. Because, like, they were causing a ruckus. They stand up and they salute and they, like, start dancing, like, all crazy. <laughs> and some of the patrons around, like, look at them funny. And one of the twins is like, no, eat your salad. Don't look at me. Like, why are you looking at me? It is just so funny. I mean, and again, too, I think that's also another thing that's very, like, different about my writing style is like this film is a horror film yes. like it's supposed to be a horror film but it's gonna take you on a journey like emotionally you're gonna be connected to these characters you're going to see like a kind of glimpse into their upbringings and like their home life and then you're just gonna see them go off the deep end into some dark like oh my god (laughs) this sounds oh i can't wait but i also don't want you to show the public because like you said the film festival requirements like yes keep it close to your chest because i i like that you would have that option and i'm glad that you brought up upbringing and home life because i wanted to ask you how has your own in bishop texas influenced your writing style and your directing style i mean I would say it influenced it a lot. So much so that it's like, people are like, man, you are country girl. Like you are, (laughs) like I said, like earlier, like I'm from the Monte. Like I am like from the ranch out here in like the flatlands. That's what I call Bishop. Cause it's like (laughs) as far as I can literally see into Corpus from my front yard. You know what I mean? Like that's how flat it is. Yes. My husband's Um, grandfather lives out there. Like his whole family. Like I, I have, I love Bishop. It has this like oh, special place in my heart. It's just fields. I, you know what I yep, mean? It's pretty just much. Fields. And not to give it to the flat earth theory. Not, not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying there is a field. I can just see a, very far because there's no trees or nothing. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, growing up here, I would say where people would see it as a disadvantage, I loved my upbringing too damn much to like see it as such I didn't start feeling insecure about my you know Mexicanness and like all of that until I was probably like 15 you know what I'm like when you get into high school Mm -hmm. you start wanting to like assimilate more to like the American idea oh that is so perfectly said that is so true like high school I do feel like that's when I was (sighs) most most trying to suppress my true self to uh, fit, fit in. That is, yes. Literally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, my, I myself, and I look back at her all the time, and I I sometimes imaginary hug her, and I'm like, I'm sorry that you wanted to be white, girl. Mm-hmm. Like, you weren't. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because growing up, like, by that time, the idea of being associated with being 
you know, white or whatever meant you had money. Yes. And that was the real thing is I didn't want to be seen as poor because Mm -hmm. that's what Bishop is. And like, I uh, now, you know, I'm much older. I'm 30 now. I've lived through some things. I've survived through economic collapse after economic collapse. Like, I'm just vibing. I'm not that hard on myself because I don't have it all figured out. But, you know, I, being from Bishop taught me actually a lot, like being able to go to a small business, like a locally owned bar, like the bar here in Bishop, you, if you know Bishop, you know the bar Mm -hmm. because you drive down business 77 and it literally just says the bar. Yes. (laughs) Rest in peace to the owner who passed away. He, he, that was a few years back now, Man, but like that, that's like me going in there being like, hello, sir. I know you are, you know, over the age of 80 and probably am like, what is this 20 something year old trying to film in my like, old little like shack bar and it's like no you don't understand the aesthetic it's so good (laughs) yes it's exactly yes (laughs) you get the vibe there there's no pretentiousness it is what it is yeah yeah and like i'm the other thing too like with el Puerta, like that was the same thing like we filmed at mika's lounge off of port and we filmed at the blue room uh which was uh owned by uh, mr jesse who uh, also is that stores? Past, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But close to my house. I know where that one is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, rest in peace to Mr. Uh, Jesse as well. But like he would, when I walked in there, I left like my little summary sheet. I left my info. I was like, hi, I'm like a film director. Like blah, blah, blah. I've done this, this, and this. Um, you know, if you could have the bar owner call me back. And, you know, he read this, the sheet. He met me. He asked why I wanted to write the project. Like, I mean, why I wanted to make the project and like what it was about. I told him it was about my grandfather. And I basically told him the same situation I told you. And that conversation at the end of it, he was like, what do I need to sign to let you have permission to come here? Like, when do you need to come? Like, you coming tomorrow? And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming three months from now. Like, no, I wanted to give you time. Yes. Because that's my other thing too. Like, I also understand that like, if I'm going to a local you know, establishments that's owned by somebody who's been in the town for decades, you know, I cannot approach them and be like, hey, can I come use your thing? Like, like, no, I have to be like, hey, respectfully, yes, your establishment is a pillar in our community. Like, I would love for this to be the representation that I use, you know, to show off this story that I'm trying to tell. And the story that I'm trying to tell is like, of inspiration and like, again, kind of a divergence from normal stereotypes. I don't write those type of stories. Like, Mm -hmm. you're never going to catch me writing a cartel story. Mm -hmm. You're never going to catch me, like, writing those types because I can't say that that is my experience. Yes. Um, But, you know, like, it it just – having this small town upbringing really, like, allowed me to get – all of the in-kind donations and sponsorships that I have gotten throughout the years. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that if I was from the big city and I just came over here assuming that, you know, oh, like, of course they want to be in my project. No, I'm coming to you asking, like, you a favor. Like, I'm asking, like, something huge of you. I want to show that I respect your place. 
that I'm going to show it off. You're going to be, you know, given these incentives while I cannot pay you a monetary, you know, compensation, I will give you gifts in these other way, mm-hmm. ways, you know, and everybody that's a part of the project is always invited to the private cast and crew, you know, uh, screenings. Like we, we host events too um, at the end. This is probably going to be, we will host like an in-person um, private cast and crew event, but it'll likely be like tw- sometime in 2022. Yeah. Um, just realistically. I mean, again, it's just me, y'all. <laughs> like me and Jen out here roughing it, like <laughs> trying to organize everything, you know? <laughs> but y'all just, I mean, I know it's a lot of work for sure. Um, I can only yeah. fathom all the organizing and everything that goes into it, but y'all just make it look so good. Uh, so where can people watch your two first films? So uh, honestly, nowhere, <laughs> nowhere at the moment. Exclusive. Like, I have, uh, yeah, they are. They're very exclusive only because we were still submitting El Poeta into film festivals up until uh, this fall. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, you know, like people think like, oh, it's this glitz and glam. Like it can be filmmaking can be glitz and glam, but it's it's like that literally five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not, the rest of the time you were literally crying in a corner wondering <laughs> why you're doing this. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but then like waking up and like wiping it and be like, no, I remember why I'm doing this mm-hmm. because we were still, you know, submitting Poeta out. We had not released it yet, but it is likely that we are going to like have it released basically on like a pomegranate vision Vimeo page, just where people can watch it. Uh, we might put it up on like our pomegranate vision YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, if not in the winter time at the beginning of 2022 is when we'll finally be like, okay, we're not submitting it to festivals anymore. Like we we're not like worried about the premiere status and stuff like that. Because yeah. even though you have like a world premiere at something, you can still have like a United States premiere. You yep. can still have like a state premiere. So like that's kind of what we were trying to get. But you know, some people just like may not see the vision sometimes, you know? Or for whatever reason, it's not that yours isn't great. It's just that somebody else's fit a little better to what their theme was for the festival and et cetera, you know? Well, that's a good perspective to have because, yeah, I mean, these film fests, I mean, it's... Yeah. Like you said, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it and and I think that that's a good way to look at it because, I mean, think about it. You've already made it to a film fest and, like, now your newest film, Las Virgenes, (laughs) is, like... I mean, the way that you... I'm not going to say promoted it necessarily, but the way that you've shared the process of filming that... I mean, it has to be one of the most mesmerizing things to follow (laughs) from the stills to the teaser trailer to, um, I mean, just like you've shown like small little, I'll call them movies. I don't know what else to call them, but like small little Mm -hmm. videos of, of from the show, from like behind the scenes. I mean, oh it is such a fun, fun story to follow. So if anybody's not following pomegranate vision at pomegranate vision on Instagram, follow it because I mean, you're, you're going to be blown away by the visuals there. Um, plus there was previously an opportunity to support y'all. I know that that campaign is closed. So is it possible for people to support you and pomegranate vision? And if so, how can they? Yes, absolutely. I mean, like we're always, you know, just so thankful for anybody that shares any of our content. Like that is a huge thing too. Like getting the word out. Um, 
definitely, you know, if anybody does want to still contribute in any way, they can always send us a DM um, to our uh, Instagram, Pomegranate Vision, or on Facebook. Uh, again, the name is Pomegranate Vision. Um, and, you know, we are so grateful for you know, everybody that, you know, comments on it and that does reshare our posts, it really means a lot to us. And, you know, the people that were able to contribute to our Indiegogo, like it meant so much to even have like, you know, those few contributors that like saw something in our project that they felt like they connected with, you know, for sure. No, that's a uh, because you guys deserve all the love and all the support. <laughs> and, and truthfully, uh, yes, sharing is the easiest thing in the world to do. Just like sharing in your story. It takes like a second. Um, I'm not sure people realize how much adding something to your story, you know, for another, for a business or whatever it may be, it just is such a, a, a huge compliment. So mm -hmm. yes, please do that. And also if y'all feel like donating in other ways, or I'm sorry, supporting in other ways, uh, hit Carmona up at Pomegranate Vision. Um, so one last thing before I let you go for yes. anyone who is considering going into film or art or, you know, something more creatively driven as opposed to maybe science, <laughs> what, <laughs> what advice would you give them? Um, oof, that is hard. I, I like to say that, you know, always take advice with a grain of salt you know what i mean i am Ooh, very that's a good harsh, one you know i'm a very harsh uh critic i'll be dead honest with you filmmaking is not easy unless you have you know some experience some connections but if you're doing like this type of guerra like independent filmmaking that i am on the track for all i have to say is get ready brace yourself like the storms will come like, but you will stand through them if you really plant yourself. You know what I mean? It's really about, like, finding the right crew, making sure that you also know what your voice is. Like, why do you want to be a filmmaker? Like, for the glitz and the glory, again, too, no. Like, that, that doesn't fly with me. Like, if you want to do this because you have a story to tell, you like have an experience that you absolutely need to. You see things so visual. If you, if I hear it in your voice, the passion, the dedication, I'm gonna tell you, yes, go for it. But again, be ready for the storms. If you're doing it, you know, for reasons that you don't know yet, I'm gonna tell you to like pull back on yourself and really look inward as to why you want to do this. Because you're not making money out here in this. I mean, if you want like a career style stuff, that is, that's different. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Going and working PA gigs and then rising up the ranks. I can't tell you to that. I can't speak on that experience. But like my version of filmmaking, I'm going to tell you this is not easy. But like, I swear to God, if you stick it through, you are going to be like mesmerized by yourself and by the people that you have near you at like what y'all literally brought to life. Ah, that is so <laughs> awesome. My God. I, yes, I couldn't. I mean, just wow. 
Thank you so much for spending time with me tonight. Thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom. I mean, about your experience and, and, uh, you know, all the amazing, you know, films that you've created and the relationships that you've developed. And I just can't wait to see what pomegranate vision does next. And (laughs) I just appreciate you very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a wonderful conversation. It was so easy to talk to you. <laughs> you too? That's not like, yes, this is the kind of, absolutely. Like you, there needs to be more of you in the world. So thank you so much, thank Carmona. You. <laughs>